Well, good morning, you guys. For those of you who didn't know I was in the building, hello. I am here. <laughs> I'm just just so blessed to be able to enjoy service with you guys and to sit and listen and learn. And um, it's my honor, my privilege this morning to welcome a family that um, has been a part of my life for a number of years. We were trying to figure out a prayer this morning. Has it been five years, six years? I don't remember. But the Leska family has been a part of my life for a number of years now. They are missionaries that we support as a church. Um, and they've been doing some uh, ministry preparation. And they have some more ministry preparation. But they're here in town and they get to share for the the body of our message time today so i'm thrilled to invite travis and becky up to share with us would you welcome them Well, good morning. Uh, like Mike said, uh, I'm Travis, and this is my wife, Becky. Uh, we're missionaries with Ethnos 360, and we are here about a year ago, um, right before we headed out to Missouri to begin our uh, missionary training with Ethnos 360. And we wanted to thank you guys uh, very much for the faithful support that you as a church have, have been for us. Um, so go ahead and next slide. Uh, for those of you who don't know us, we have three children. Uh, Nathan is five, Hannah is two and a half, and Grace is 18 months old. We were both involved in missions uh, when we were single, and we got married and thought, we'll be married a year and then head off to the mission field. And six years later, we're finally starting, or have started. Um, so we've got a family of three now. Uh, Nathan... Uh, uh, well, <laughs> Nathan uh, is a biological son. Hannah, we adopted, and Grace is a biological daughter. So we're just excited that uh, that we were able to adopt Hannah. Um, go ahead, next slide. Ethnos 360 was founded in 1942 as New Tribes Mission. Their purpose is to see a thriving church among every people group. We decided to join Ethnos 360 because God has a heart for unreached people. Did you know that there are approximately 7,000 um, unreached people groups in the world? An unreached people group is an ethnic group of people that has its own distinct language and culture. There's, with less than 2% of them are believers. If there is a church, it's not reproducing. They're, they're not evangelizing. These 7,000 people groups make up 42% of the world population or over 3.28 billion people. That's over 3 billion people who will spend an eternity without Christ. The good news is that there are missionaries engaged in about 4,000 of these 7,000 people groups. But here's the bad news. Over 3,000 people groups, or about 328 million people, are both unreached and unengaged meaning that there is currently no outreach work being done among them. While that's only 4% population of the world, that's equal to the population of the United States. Now, we got, know that God desires these people to, to hear the gospel, too. In Revelations 5, 9 through 10, talking about Jesus, we read, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you were slaughtered. And you purchase people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign on the earth. 
as believers, we have a mandate from Jesus to reach the unreached. Now, a mandate is an order or an official command to do something. And here's our mandate. Matthew 28:18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you to the end of the age. So all authority has been given to Christ, and he said to make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups, all ethnos of the world. And that's a big task. 3.28 billion people unreached. 300 million people unengaged. Now, if you've given that much thought at all, you know that that's a massive task. It's actually sobering to think how big it is. It's bigger than us and what we can do on our own. It takes a lot of people working together to carry out this mandate. So we brought an illustration to, to show you. So we're going to need a lot of help. And um, to start with, um, we've got three groups of people that we're going to be dealing with. We've got home staff, we've got support workers, and we've got church planters. Becky's going to be passing th some things out. So we're going to need a lot of help to pull this off. The mandate is clear. Make disciples of all nations. How are we going to do that? Well, first off, we need somebody to send to these people. This task requires that somebody in the body of Christ will have to pick up and move, change their address to a place where there is no access to the gospel of Christ. Now, I need a young couple, um, probably that has a heart for unreached people groups, uh, to come up to the front here. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to live in a house like this this is an actual missionary house in the Siawe Siawe is in the Sepik region of Papua New Guinea there are over 300 distinct languages just in the Sepik region and Siawe is just one of them most people have never heard about the Sepik. So think of the Amazon. It's hot, like 100 plus degrees hot. It's humid, like 90 plus percent humidity. And it's dense jungle. So we got a nice couple here that's going to be going. Um, they're going to have their work cut out for them. They're going to, um, they're going to have to learn the language of the people group that they're working in. Uh, why don't you guys go and step up on the on the stage so everybody can see better? Um, so first, you have to learn the language if you want to communicate. They say that it takes two thousand five hundred hours to become proficient in a skill. To learn to play the guitar, like Mike or Christian, twenty five hundred hours of practice. To become proficient in German, twenty five hundred hours of practice. But learning a language that's unknown is a little bit different. They say it takes three to 4,000 hours to learn a language that's currently unknown. So there are 7, 720 hours in a month. So it's going to take about four to six months to learn this language. Good job, guys. But you're not going to sleep. You're not going to eat. OK, that's not realistic. Um, so if we take the American workday, 40 hours a week, we all do that. OK, it's 2,000 hours a year, roughly. 
4,000, that's two years. That's assuming no medical emergencies, they've got to buy their food somehow, but they're living out in the jungle and there's no supermarket. So it's a little bit difficult. The other thing we have to do is we have to learn the culture. Culture must be learned simultaneously with language. Understanding their culture and the worldview is, is fundamental to any trench plant. Linguistics. Some of the languages have never been written, so you're going to have to put them into writing. There, we conjugate verbs in one way, and uh, one people group in Venezuela conjugate their verbs in 60 different ways. I ran, I will run, I was running. How do you know how to do that? You got to learn it. Literacy, teaching people to read and write their own language. What good is translating the Bible if they can't read it? Translation, having the written word in their language is a key piece to a healthy church that grows. <laughs> yeah, you make sure everybody has to keep seeing these. Uh, teaching, they have no concept of who God is, and so you have to tell them the story. You have to teach them. Medical work. There's going to be many physical needs there, and one practical way to show love is through medical help. Maintenance. You are your own mechanic. You're the plumber, you're the mechanic, you're the carpenter. If it breaks, you're going to be fixing it. Yeah, keep them all out, so because you're going to be doing these simultaneously. Keep them all. So, so you guys send these people out. What do they need? Oh, who said that? I heard it. Okay, come on up. <laughs> Mike, we're taking Christian from you. We're sending him out to the village. I was also going to ask for Todd, but since we're taking Christian, I can't ask for Todd. So, um, Todd, you're out of, off the hook this time. Uh, there are usually three units per church planning team because of the workload. Family leave for home assignment. Papua New Guinea currently has 40 teams like this working in different people groups. So you have your missionary teams, and you send them off and say, good luck, we'll be praying for you. Bye. No. You have to stay actively engaged in the work that they're doing to support them. So what else do we need to, to support them? Well, like I said earlier, uh, they need food. So you can have them grow a garden, uh, but that's going to take time away from learning the language. And we already know that's going to take a couple of years to do. So that's, so we're going to buy them food. And so we need a supply buyer. Who likes to spend money? Who likes to spend other people's money? Oh, we, okay. Come on up. Come on. Hurry, hurry. <laughs> oh, we got two for one. Come, come, come on over. <laughs> As a supply buyer, you get to spend people's money. The supplier buyer is purchasing food and supplies for the missionaries for three months, three to six months at a time. There's no grocery stores out there in the village. It's an important job because if you get the order wrong, well, they go without. Computer tech. Anybody work on computers? 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 Going once? Going twice? Okay, come on up. Yeah, even if you have a little bit of knowledge, a little bit is better than nothing. <laughs> IT support is a massive need in order to keep these guys on the field because they're going to be using a computer to translate the language, to keep track of how it's going. Pilot mechanic, Tyler, where are you? 
So many places where Ethnos 360 missionaries go, an airplane or a helicopter is the only way to access. And you need a mechanic as well to, to work on the airplanes. We need school teachers. Anybody a school teacher? Anybody want to be a school teacher? Come on. <laughs> Taking care of your child's needs are extremely important. If mom and dad are constantly concerned of their child's needs and are not being met, they're not going to be effective at translating the gospel. Guest house. Who likes to cook? Who likes to entertain people? Come on. The guest house is where missionaries out in the tribe come and stay when they need to rest or to transition in and country and out of country. A person with the gift of, gift of hospitality is needed is able to encourage and take care of and minister with their fellow missionaries, is an ideal person to serve in this role. Printers, do we have anybody that knows how to put ink on paper? Oh, come on up. When you translate the Bible lessons and scriptures, you have to print them for them to be able to read. To be a, a, an encouraged reader, you have to have a variety of things to read. Government reps, who likes to deal with the government? Oh, wow, we actually have some that likes to deal with the government. Great, come on up. <laughs> Today, the foreign governments are demanding more and more involvement uh, with non-government non organizations, requiring that someone has to answer their questions. And since they're out in the village, they can't answer the questions because there's no cell service. Administration and accounting. Who likes to... Oh, so we're going we're gonna to put somebody... Oh, you're getting to double duties there. Okay, competent administrators are essential for smooth running operation. Good accountants need to keep track of the money that's being spent on behalf of the people that are in the tribe. Secretary or office. Who has secretarial skills? Oh! <laughs> I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get Ellie to come up here, but... Each field has a headquarters and needs lots of office help. Usually these people are overlooked because they're not the frontline missionaries. But good office people keep the missionaries in the village advancing the gospel. Construction. Who likes to build things? You can give me that one too. <laughs> the first thing a missionary has to do in a tribe is to build their own house. Most fields have a construction team of experienced builders who help to do that. National training. Who likes to teach people, specifically people that aren't like you. <laughs> One of our biggest responsibilities is to train and equip the national believers in each country to reach out to their own people. Brazil, Asia Pacific, and the Philippines have a growing number of national believers. In fact, about half of the workers in Brazil are national workers. So, now we've got uh, some home staff who people are going to be here. Representatives, just start. Somebody's got to be doing this. So people on the field have, have one major prayer request, help. And the rep's job is to help inform churches and challenge people to be involved in the task of making disciples. Training staff. No, no, just, just stay, stay where you are. Uh, training staff. Pre-field stateside training is essential to having a successful ministry and accomplishing the goal of a mature church. There are lots of roles and lots of workers at Ethnos 360 training to prepare you for the mission field. Office workers. Pre, or the, the Ethnos 360 home office is down in Florida, and there are many, many different roles and departments necessary to keep this organization healthy and advancing the gospel. Churches. 
Oh, there's Mike. The local church. <laughs> so the local church is also a very important part in reaching, uh, reaching the unreached. So which one of these is a missionary? Oh, okay. Turn your, turn your papers over. Everyone is a missionary. Okay, turn your cards back over. <laughs> which one of these is the most important? These guys are pretty important here. <laughs> All of them are important because without every single one of them, these guys won't be able to stay there. So it takes a whole team. Now, this is the ideal. Well, sort of the ideal because we have some people that are taking multiple responsibilities. The ideal is to have somebody filling each one of these roles so that nobody gets burnt out. But what happens when somebody goes on home assignment? They're, well, no. We have, to, we have to find somebody else to fill them. So um, their job doesn't disappear. They have to hand it off to somebody. So um, do you want to take somebody's assignment away from them and give it to somebody else? Oh, Christian's leaving the tribe. Oh, so the tribal, so it falls back onto this, this couple here. <laughs> so... A real-world example of what's happened on one of our fields, uh, if you have a blue or a green card with the names of one of these support roles, I want you to pass it off to somebody else. Teachers? Somebody, somebody right here. Accountant? Administration? Construction? Doctor, nurse, computer tech, dorm parents, security office workers. Yeah, so pass, pass all those because you're taking. <laughs> computer tech, yeah. So somebody else has to pick up all these, all these things. Yeah, you're not quitting. You're just going home for a home assignment for a short time. But for that one year that you're on home assignment, somebody else has to take up the responsibilities. So you saw the ideal, and now you see that um, this is kind of more the reality uh, that we're short-staffed. Then on top of that, over the next 10 years, we're going to be losing a lot of people to retirement. Ethnos 360 was founded in 1942, and those missionaries are starting to retire. Sometimes our missionaries out in the tribe have to lay their cards down to fill a role here. So one of those 40 missionary teams out in the villages have to come back and fill a, a support role. That means the gospel doesn't go forward in that village. So the biggest need in missions is for people like you, like you, 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 you. So thank you guys. You guys did wonderful. So if you're wondering how to be a part of the Great Commission, consider using your talents, your skills, your degrees. God may not be calling you to live in a remote jungle, but he might be leading some of you to honor and serve him in this way. Now that you know that the team of church planters of the unreached, let's look at one of these positions. It's the position that I'll have um, with Ethnos 360. It's the position of a pilot. Oftentimes, people groups are in still hard-to-reach places. That's where aviation comes in. We want to show you a video that shows how Ethnos 360 uses aviation to assist in church planning. This is coming right out of the mouth of a church planner. This is that same house that 
we moved into earlier, not we, but you know, the, the church planners moved into earlier. Uh, it's in the village that this lady lives, so here's the video. So aviation provides safe, efficient, and cost-effective support for church planning teams. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Trips into the village that previously took multiple days of hiking or boat rides can now be done in a few short hours. This helps sustain teams for the long haul. Planes and helicopters can, supply, can bring in supplies that are hard to transport, transport by foot or by boat. Aviation, next slide, can provide medical evacuations for both missionaries and tribal people. Next one. And in a recent program put in place by Ethnos 360 Aviation subsidizes the cost of the flights, allowing national missionaries to also make use of the flight program at a cost that they can afford. So it used to be that traveling by airplane was expensive, still is, but we've been able to get large donors who have pooled their money together and made the, the cost of the flights at a cheap rate or cheaper rate for, for national workers. Planes and helicopters can also bring relief supplies during national disasters. So something that we love about Ethnos 360 as an organization is that they really value sending people out well-trained and well-prepared. We want to give you an overview of the training process that we're going through. Uh, so first, before you can go to the training school, you need um, some kind of Bible education. You can go through their two-year program, or if you've taken a Bible education somewhere else, they'll also accept that. After, so then once you apply, they have a training school. It's down in Missouri, where we just came from. It's two years for church planters, or one year if you're going to be a support staff. So we just finished our one year there. Um, and uh, we want to say that it was like totally worth it. We both kind of went in with the idea of like, really, like a whole year? We've already like done some of this stuff. And then we got there and we were like, wow, we didn't know how much stuff we didn't know. Like we really needed to be there. Okay, so after the training school, if you're in aviation, then you go for nine months of aircraft qualification and training, which is in, at their base, their aviation base in McNeil, Arizona. We'll be heading there this August. Um, once we finish uh, the school there, then we'll be given a field assignment. But before we can go there, we have to finish our um, ministry partnership development, or uh, also known as support raising. And um, once that's done, we'll be able to move to the field. We'll be going to Papua New Guinea. It's where uh, most of the fixed-wing airplanes are, and that's Strauss's specialty. Uh, once we get to the field, the first thing we do, even as support workers, is learn the national language. We won't be learning the tribal language, but we'll be learning the um, language of communication for the country and uh, learning about the culture. Now, fortunately, in Papua New Guinea, the national language is... Um, Melanesian Pigeon, which is, has a little bit of English mixed in with it, and it's actually the fastest one to learn, and uh, most workers learn it in six months. So once we finish learning the language, then Travis will start um, doing his flight hours to receive his national pilot's license in um, Papua New Guinea. And uh, while he's doing that, he'll be, he will be flying out into the tribe, but he'll have to have another pilot with him. Once he completes his hours, then he'll be able to fly solo uh, out into the different locations. Now that you know a little bit about aviation and our timeline, I want to tell you a little bit about the country of Papua New Guinea, in case you're not familiar, um, as I was not very familiar with. Uh, in square miles, Papua New Guinea is just over twice the size of Idaho. It's the third largest island country in the world. 
It has a population of 8.9 million people. So to compare that, Idaho has 1.8 million people. There are 820 different indigenous languages there. It's a very mountainous uh, region, and the places are very isolated from each other, and that's why there are so many different people groups in, uh, contained in that area. It has more languages than any other country in the world. So while it has less than 1% of the world population, it has 12% of the world's languages. Um, as of 2020, Ethnos360 and its partner organizations had 81 families and single missionaries from a dozen different countries serving in 44 different locations in Papua New Guinea. The Missionary Support Center, which is in Lopilo, is where we'll be living, and that includes the administrative offices, a guest house, a medical clinic, store, workshop, school for the missionary kids, and it houses about 60 families who serve in different support roles, support roles and um, the pilot families are also there. Um, in a country that doesn't have a transportation infrastructure, Ethnos 360 Aviation Team assists 24 active church planning locations that are completely dependent on aircraft, and then it assists in another 25 um, maturing church locations that utilize the aviation services. It's also between 2020 and, 20, and 2022, there were 10 new outreach locations planned that were going to be dependent on the aircraft to get in and out. The, um, Neil Burleson, who is the personnel director for Papua New Guinea, uh, wrote that um, we have about 20 families who are interested in joining the church planning roles in Papua New Guinea in the next couple of years. Our biggest bottleneck in reaching the loss used to be a lack of missionaries, but right now our biggest bottleneck is probably aviation support. We have great need in aviation for both pilots and mechanics, and it's a vital part of the church planting effort. So we've actually, while we were in training, uh, every morning we had our whole, all the students got together for a prayer time and they would bring in the um, newsletters from all the missionary, you know, thousand, you know, missionaries working in a bunch of different countries and oftentimes in Papua New Guinea it'd be like, we weren't able to get back to the village this, this, the week that we were playing to because there was no pilot available or, you know, the flights were backed up. Um, there are certainly pilots serving over there. A couple are on home assignment. Some people had to come home for medical reasons. And um, there's just a great need. Um, the next slide shows you um, a picture I just read on a post yesterday on the Ethnos Papua New Guinea Facebook page. And this is um, from Jonathan Kampf, who's actually a missionary from Idaho, uh, working in Papua New Guinea. And he said, a a team of two carpenters and their three teenage sons were set to fly out to Hewa, which is the people group they work, work in, in June to construct the new Christian school classroom building. But once again, our plans have fallen apart because of a shortage of pilots available to deliver the lumber from the city of Wewak. The, the reason we had planned to have lumber cut in the city was because there was a lack of available volunteers during the COVID crackdown in their country. But now that things have settled down and they can't get the flight in, they're praying for some rugged men who can endure the hardship of milling the lumber from the local trees. So this is a cedar log that's waiting for an eager man to come and turn it into lumber. So if you're good at like freehand uh, slabbing, slabbing. <laughs> here's a job for you. Um, can go to the next slide. So that's a little bit about Papua New Guinea and where we'll be. We want to share some praises and prayer requests with you. We are super thankful um, that our kids have adjusted well so far to the transitions, moving to Missouri last year, moving back here for just a couple months, and they're still excited that we're moving to Arizona. So we praise God for that. We're thankful for these couple months of being able to reconnect with friends and family here in Idaho 
And I don't know how you guys feel about this summer, but we think it's been the most beautiful weather we have seen in a long time. <laughs> um, and we're thankful for that God's continuing to teach us new things. We have some prayer requests. Our son Nathan, who's five, is having his tonsils out this Tuesday. So if you could just pray that the surgery would go well and he wouldn't have any problems with the anesthesia. And uh, the recovery is like two weeks. They're not supposed to do anything active. So if you've hung out with a five-year-old recently, you know it's, it's going to be hard for him. Uh, also, praying for the move to Arizona in August. We'll be driving down uh, with all the kids in the car. They do pretty well. We also praise God that they do well in the car, but you know they still have their moments. And um, our other prayer request is uh, right now we're in our time of, we've started our time of ministry partner development. And Charles will talk a little bit more about that later, but that's what we're doing a lot of in July. And then it's not written up there, but there's a pilot family um, from Papua New Guinea. They just finished their um, language learning, and they were ready to start on the actual flying, and they had to come home for a complicated pregnancy, which they've delivered the baby, and um, they have had a couple more health concerns, and they really want to get back to the field, but they need a few more um, clearances from the doctor to get back. They're, um, their names are the Burns, so if you could pray for the Burns family, we would love that. So here are some ways that you can partner with us and Ethnos 360. One, you can pray. We have a newsletter sign up in the back, and if you're interested in praying for us, sign up. We try to send it out on a, about a monthly basis. It turns into like more like six weeks. We try. <clears throat> um, you can use the... the handwritten sign-up sheet, or it would be better if you could use the digital. We'll have an iPad in the back. Uh, you can actually type it in, because I can't read handwriting sometimes. You can go. Um, if you heard any part of this presentation and thought, hey, I could be a part of something like that, we need you. We need people. We've got flyers in the back um, that tell you how you can get involved. And like you saw in the activity, yeah, we do need a lot of different people. Um, the third way is you can give. And yep, like Becky said, uh, we are currently raising support right now. Um, we can't say thank you enough for, for what Transform is already doing for us, um, for being faithful in the financial and prayer support. Uh, but we'd like to ask each of you to pray about how God is going to use you to reach the unreached. Pray, go, give, all the above. So... We are in their support raising, and each field has its own recommended level of monthly support to raise. That number includes things like health insurance, ministry and travel expenses. <clears throat> we'll spend one year doing aircraft qualifications in Arizona, and then once we have all our support raised, we'll be heading off to Papua New Guinea. Ethnos 360 fields set their own recommended support level, so we don't get to our choice in that. That's what they say. For our family of five, Papua New Guinea, says we have to raise $7,500 a month in support. We're currently at 34%, which is blowing my mind. Uh, back in January, we were at 20%. Our goal is to reach 50% by August and 100% by next June. The sooner we reach 100%, the sooner we'll be able to go. If you'd like to partner with us financially, uh, you can talk with us afterwards. Uh, we got some more information on the back table like that. So thank you guys so much. Um, I hope that we've put a little bit of a seed of unreached people groups in your hearts because that's where God's heart is, is reaching the unreached, reaching the lost. And there's a lot of lost people out there. So uh, thank you again. Uh, if you've got any questions, uh, we'd love to answer them. We love to talk about missions. We love to talk about what we're going to be doing.
So thank you. We're going to take an opportunity, you guys, to just uh, lay hands on the Lessicas and pray. I asked permission. They said it was okay. Um, so if you guys would like to pray for them, I'm just going to ask you to come forward. Um, half of us were involved in the service already, so don't be shy. Um, but we're just going to lay hands and pray over them, and then we'll close with worship. But let's just uh, take an opportunity to pray that the Lord would bless them and use them and um, just work through them and that he would provide just all the things. So I'll start us off, and um, anyone who feels like they uh, would like to pray for them. I just want to ask you to pray for them. God, we thank you for the Lessicas. We thank you so much that you uh, have provided recently. Lord, we thank you for that, that uptick and the financial support. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to stir our hearts to give more and to give generously and sacrificially, Lord, that we would continue to um, care for this family and see, Lord, that they are um, an extension, Lord, of the work that you've done in our hearts. Lord, you're doing in theirs, and they want to reach out to the unreached. And so, Lord, I pray that we would really have that visual that they provided for us in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, of how many people it takes uh, to do the work of, of missions. And so, Lord, we pray that um, you would stir our hearts to be involved, to do um, the part that you've given to us and to come alongside them. And, Lord, I pray that... Um, you would stir our hearts as we just ask for your blessing upon them. We ask, Lord, that you would stir our hearts to pray over them now. Spirit, would you speak through us into their lives to encourage and strengthen them? And, Lord, um, we ask that you would be the one who leads this prayer time over them.